0: number two the authoritarian father a father that just exercises authority in the house like a general like a captain he runs his house like an army captain how many of you have seen the music that that movie the sound of music music so there we see the picture of an authoritarian father because the father is a navy officer so he runs His house, his relationship with his children as an officer bringing strict discipline in everything that the children does. Okay, so that's an authoritarian father. He puts fear in the heart of the children because he runs his family like a dick. Only what he says is what the family does. There's no time for dialogue. There's no time for talk. There's no time for discussion. The third kind of father is the passive father. This is the father who is in the house, but he's not there. His mind, his heart, his emotions, his energy is somewhere else. Does that remind you of anyone? Maybe your own father? So, this father is not emotionally present at home. Maybe when he's in the home, he's always on the phone. Or he's talking to his friends. So, he's there in the house. His physical presence is there, but he's very Passive. He's not involved in the lives of the children. He's not disciplining, teaching, loving, caring. There's no emotion expressed. So this kind of father doesn't spend time talking to the children, touching the children, affirming the children, embracing them, expressing any kind of love. Sometimes these fathers can be workaholics. They're always working, never at home. So there's no emotional connection with the children. Sometimes these fathers, even though they're present at home, And they may not be workaholics, yet they themselves are hurt. They themselves are struggling in their own souls. And so they're unable to have healthy relationship with their wives or with their own children. So what happens is that when you have a passive father, you have an image of God also as a passive, distant God. How many of you, when I asked you to write down your thoughts and your feelings about God, in your own heart, you feel like God is distant, or the word father, when I asked you to write down the word father, what it means to you, the feeling that it gave to you was emptiness or distance. Can I see your hands? Okay. So some children, when we say the word father, the emotion that comes in their heart is distance. There's no connection with the own father. And so they bring that into their own relationship with the God. Okay, there's a song that was sung many years back. It's kind of a Christian song, but sang by a very, very popular uh, artist. Became very famous. But when you really study that song, it's not biblical. And yet it became very famous because of the tune and so on. So that song, there is a sentence that says, from a distance, God is watching us. From a distance, God is caring for us. From a distance. It became a very famous song. But actually, it's not the truth. Because God says in his word, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. God is not loving us from a distance. God came in the flesh. God came in human form. And God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. That through his death, the blood that was shed for us, the forgiveness of our sins. And his Holy Spirit sent into our hearts and our spirit. He could make us one with him. So there is no distance between us and God. When we truly understand the scriptures. In fact, the angel told Joseph and Mary, his name will be Emmanuel when he is born, which means God with us. So God is not loving us from a distance. The fourth kind of father is this, the absent father. Now this can be for various reasons. Your father could have died when you were very young. Some fathers die, and even sometimes the mothers die when they're very young, and so they never know what it means to have a father or a mother. They never know the security comfort in having both parents. And I've met many, counseled many who were fatherless and they struggled with some sense of insecurity and identity and worth and self-image problems. Sometimes the father or the mother is not there because of divorce. They're abandoned. I was counseling this girl many, many years back. The mother was an alcoholic, so she herself wasn't able to provide support, strength to the family. And the father had abandoned them when they were little kids. Seven, eight years old like that. The father had abandoned and just left and never came back. So she struggled with a lot of insecurity and fears and depression, even suicidal. So she had to go through a lot of healing in her heart. Because an absent father caused her to have this belief that she's abandoned. That she's rejected. That she's not good enough. She's unworthy. So she was always dealing with this sense of deep rejection. Because... See, the father and children relationship is supposed to be so valuable. And because it is made in the image of God's relationship with us. Okay, understand this. God is love, right? That means God is agape. God created man in his image and in his likeness. The man and the woman. And God created the man and the woman so that through their relationship, they build a family. So the family is supposed to be a picture of the Trinity. Alright? We have the Trinity in heaven. And we have on earth the man and the woman and then the family that comes up, right? God created man and woman in His image. What's the image of God? Love. The relationship between the Trinity is agape love. Okay. God is love. The Father, the Son, the Spirit, they're all love. And the way that they relate with one another is based on agape love. So God created the man and the woman in His image. That means as creatures... Who function best in agape love. To love God in relationship and also with one another. And so the children are also to be born and brought up in this understanding, in this system, in this foundation called love. Amen. So the Father never rejects the Son, the Son never rejects the Spirit. There is no competition in the Trinity, there's no backbiting, there's no rejection. The Father shares everything to the Son. The Son shares everything to the Father and the Spirit. Everything they have is together. God is one, but we see Him in three persons. Right? The Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's a relationship between them which is called love. So God wants the image of this relationship to be replicated on the earth in the man and the woman and the family that comes. So the way that the father and the mother and children relationship is supposed to be established and built is agape love. Not your own culture. Not your own tribal tradition. No, agape love. That means the children are supposed to find the acceptance and the worth and the value from the love of the parents. Till the time that they are able to be introduced to God and have a relationship with God. But if the father abandons, the father leaves the family, the mother leaves the family, What it creates subconsciously in the mind and the heart of the children is that they are abandoned. They're rejected. Maybe because we're not good enough. And that begins to create this sense of fear, depression, and so on. So if you have an absentee father for whatever reason, maybe even through death sometimes, you have to understand that your heavenly father is not like that. Your heavenly father is not an absent father. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Content with such things as you have. For he, that is God. For he has said. He himself has said. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So that is the promise of your father in heaven. I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. Do you know that even earthly fathers cannot make that promise because they never know when they will die. During this issue in Manipur, what happened was that many families were separated. And when families are separated, fear and insecurity and uncertainty comes. One of my own friends, my classmate from college, his mother and sisters are displaced in another camp. His father and brothers are in another camp. And he is there in Delhi. And they cannot communicate because internet services are down. So there was a time of great uncertainty and fear for them. See, God gives us a family, human family. And then God gives us a spiritual family to communicate to us the truths of agape. Of course, it's never perfect because of the fall of man. And yet, we are supposed to learn truths about security, acceptance, and love. Through our own earthly family and spiritual family that we could not learn from the world. God wants to communicate to us his love for us, even through the spiritual family loving one another, the earthly family loving one another. And of course, we cannot replace God by the earthly or the spiritual family. And yet, even when God expresses his love to you, he will do it through the spiritual family and even through the earthly family. Amen. Let's read this from the Amplified Version of the Bible, okay? This version of the Bible says this, for he, God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not. The emphasis is mentioned here. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, relax my hold on you. Is that clear enough for us? Amen. Kenneth West, biblical scholar, says that in the Greek word, in the Greek Bible, there are three negatives. There are three negatives that precede the verb, which means I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. Okay. So these three negatives are this, I will not, I will not, I will not leave you. Three negatives before the verb. So God is making the emphasis in the strongest way. I will not. Every say in is right? I will not, I will not, I will not leave you nor forsake you. So, God is not an absentee father. Okay? Let's look at the fifth type of father. The abusive father. For some of us, maybe your father was a monster at home. He was an alcoholic. He was an angry man. Maybe he beat your mother in front of you also. I've counseled many, many young men and women who were brought up in an abusive home. They had an alcoholic father who would beat them when he was drunk. They had an alcoholic father who beat the mother in front of them. Like I was telling you about this girl, her own father beat her kicked her because he was drunk. So that brought so much damage in her soul. So some of us, our fathers were monsters, violent, abusive. They terrorized the whole family. And because they're born in that environment, they're raised in that environment. The picture of father in the heart and mind is someone who is abusive, violent, a bully, a tyrant, A psycho. I was counseling this young boy in the hospital. He was an alcoholic by the time he was 18, 19. He was now in his late 20s and his liver was failing. So as I was talking to him, he confessed that when he was about 14 years old, his father, his own father, used to chase him with a shotgun. Not only chase, even shoot. Of course, he wasn't shot. But while he was drunk, he would shoot. Family out of his anger. Now that brought so much hurt to him that his wound could not be healed by the earthly things, friends, money, and he began to use alcohol to numb the pain in his heart. And he could not stop depending on alcohol and it killed him at a very young age. Many of us may have father wounds that we are not aware of. I've counseled girls who were sexually abused by their own father. Here in Nagaland, in a Christian state. Another son that I counseled was someone who his own father told him, you are hopeless, you are useless, you will never be like me. And because he was so hurt and angry, he said, I will never be like my father. And he lost his respect and his honor for his father. And he also ended up as an alcoholic. So... Some of us may have had an abusive father or maybe even an abusive authority figure. Like a teacher or even a pastor. A leader in your life who was abusive. Do you know that many Christians leave the church because of abusive leaders? Over-controlling leaders. Manipulating leaders. They leave the church. Because the leaders have hurt them so much. They start having this deception in their heart that God is also the same. You cannot trust the church. And they lose faith in God. That's what hurts and offense do. It deceives you. It blinds you to the truth about God. So if you have been hurt by your own father and mother, and you're carrying this offense, it has also blinded you to some degree how you view God. How you see God. Amen. So what kind of a father do you have? Children are born in this environment. They grow up with a lack of trust. They grow up not able to trust anyone. Not able to open up to anyone. And they grow up with suspicion of authority figures. They grow up with a sense of rebellion towards authority figures. They grow up with the sense that all authority figures are evil. Cannot be trusted. You see that a lot in Nagaland among the young generation. They just have this sense of animosity this sense of hostility towards authority figures. Have you noticed that? Maybe even in other states, even among this young millennial generation, a sense of hostility. Whenever they see the word minister, MLA, officer, pastor, they don't like negative emotions, hostile emotions because because of media, because of the negative experiences. Subconsciously, the heart and mind thinks that all leaders are evil. All leaders are Corrupt. All leaders are here to take advantage of us. All big companies are there to exploit us. And we begin to be affected in the heart. Children that are born and brought up in this kind of environment, they never experience the security and the comfort emotionally that makes them healthy and whole. Amen. So, what kind of a father did you have? Performance oriented? Authoritarian? Passive, absent father, abusive father. Some children have no intimacy with their own father and mother. It's all very business-like. There's no connection. And when I say the word father, you feel like father is far, not close. There was a time when somebody was counseling me and taking me through a time of prayer. And that lady asked me, when you think of the word God, where do you feel he is? Here next to you or far away. So I closed my eyes and I was just trying to sense my own heart. And in my emotions, the word God, for me, was very distant. Yes, he was powerful. Yes, he was, you know, good and all of that. But I felt there was a distance. And I had to go through a time of prayer and ministry to where I began to actually believe the word. And also sense the meaning of the word in my heart. That God is Father and He's close and distant. Why do you think God is far from you? Sometimes because of your sins. Sometimes it's because you think you have not done enough good works to please Him. Sometimes it's because we think we are not good enough. And just as your own earthly fathers did not approve of you, in the same way we think God does not approve of us when we fail. How many of you, sometimes you make mistakes, you sin. How many of you sometimes, you do some things you are not proud of? Every one of you, right? Now when you sin at that moment, do you feel close to God or far from God? Far from God. But that's just a feeling, right? When you sin, immediately at that moment, does God abandon you? Does God leave you? Does God stop being your father? No. So what we are reacting to is just the feeling, the conscience which has been affected by our Guilt. But the truth of God's word is that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Which good earthly father is there that when you are growing up and you're learning how to walk, you stumble and fall. And your earthly father says, my son is hopeless. He cannot even walk. Let me give him back to the hospital. There's no earthly father who does that, right? Because we know that children take time to learn to walk. They stumble and fall. Yes or no? So our own earthly father loves us even more than our own. Our own heavenly father loves us more than our earthly fathers. So we must trust the word of God more than what we sense or feel guilt, condemnation in our own hearts. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now write this down. Many counselors, psychologists believe this. And this is proven to be true through research. The majority of a child's identity is formed through the father-child relationship. Majority of the child's identity, the value, the worth, the self-image. The majority of the child's identity is connected to the father-child relationship. I've heard stories of people who were adopted, That when they were little toddlers they were not conscious of who their real father and mother was but after they entered into the teens and into the adult they started asking who is my father who is my father who is my father what was my father like and they want to go and discover their roots because the roots are connected to their identity because we always ask who am I who am I right That's the question that every human being asks. Who am I? The question, who am I, is connected to your source. Where did I come from? Who brought me into this earth? So begin to question, who is my father? Because the word father also means the source. The beginning. God is a creator, but God is also the father. And he fathered us. He created us, men and women, in His image. So the truth is that unless we discover God as Father, we will not really be established in our identity and in our worth. Did you follow? What kind of a father you have sometimes affects the way society also treats you. Yes or no? Sometimes they ask you, What's your father's name? Who is your father? And according to how your father was, they treat you. Your uncles, your aunties, your neighbors. Hey, the father was also like that. She will also be like that. Of course, that's not the accurate way to judge people, but that's what society does. Okay? So, understand this. Your view of God can be shaped. By how your fathers were to you. There's a connection there. Your view of God can be shaped by the way your fathers were to you. Because the way that children, according to the way God created the order, the children know about God is through the father and the mother. In the book of Deuteronomy, God told the Israelites, teach the word of God to your children. In the process of life, when you're working, when you're eating, when you're fellowshipping, teach the Word of God to your children. So, the parents' responsibility was to teach who God is to the children. So that their relationship with God will come through the father and mother. They're supposed to know God through the father and mother. Amen. And that's why the Bible encourages parents to nurture the children. In the ways of God. To bring discipline into their lives. In the ways of God. Till the trial comes to the age of maturity. Responsibility. Accountability. Amen. Jesus was the kind of man he was. Because of the father he had. He always talked about the heavenly father. His security and his trust was in the heavenly father. When he prayed, his confidence was that, My Father hears my prayer. Think about it. Go to John. We'll come back to Romans 1 Corinthians 13. John chapter 5, verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, The Son can do nothing of himself, But what he sees the Father do. For whatever the Father does, The Son also does in like... Look at verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself does and He will show Him greater works than these that you may marvel. The reason why He obeys the Father. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Whatever the Father speaks, the Son also speaks. Whatever the Father says, the Son also says. So His strength his ministry. His behavior. His speech. All of it, the source is the Father. And Jesus is confident to obey whatever God says. You know why? Because He says in verse 20, The Father loves the Son. He does not say, For I love the Father. He says, Because the Father loves me, whatever he shows me i do it let me ask you a question has there been some time in the past when god asked you to do something and you were afraid to do it let's all be honest yes or no did god ask you to sacrifice something to do something whether it is giving offering whether it's some act of sacrifice. Many Christians tell me, I know God has called me to the ministry, but I'm afraid of my support, my finances. So they don't obey God. Why? Because they do not know God like Jesus knows God. Jesus says, for my father loves me. Because he loves me, because he loves me, I know he will not tell me to do anything that is hurtful for me he will not tell me to do anything that is bad for me he will not tell me to do anything that is harmful for me so if he tells me to go to china and be a missionary i will do it why because my father loves me the strength of this jesus actions decisions come from love you were afraid to do what god asked you to do you know why because you were not sure whether your father loved you you were not sure whether God loved you. For my father loves me. And therefore my father shows me. And whatever he shows me, the son does it. Why? Because I have confidence that my father loves me. Obedience comes from knowing how much God loves you. Obedience is not just a duty. That's the strength and the confidence that we see in Jesus' life. The peace and the assurance with which he deals with the religious authorities. With persecution. When he is facing Pilate. And everyone is shouting, crucify him, crucify him. He was not moved. He was unshaken. Right? When he told his disciples, if you do not eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you have no nothing to do with me. Many of His disciples left. Because they could not understand. Was Jesus insecure? Fearful? Oh, what am I going to do? They're leaving me. No, Jesus was like, let them go. Because His security did not come from whether people was with Him or were not with Him. Whether people liked Him or people did not like Him. His security was from the Father's love for Him. I recently put put a video up on Social media about backdoor appointments. How many of you watch that? About, you know, doing evil things and then thanking God for the success. Some of our leaders were not happy. The politicians. I got word back that they were not happy. So what do I do? Oh, they're not happy. Oh man, next time I must make a video that does not offend them. No, if I react that way, it's because I'm not secure in my father's love for me. My security is not whether these leaders like me or they don't like me. Amen. You see, the strength, the peace, the assurance, the stability with which Jesus conducted his life, his relationship with people, his ministry. It came out of this belief, my father loves me. It was not, I love my father. My love is so strong. Nothing can shake me. No. It was my father's love for me. Yeah, if your father loves you, he will show you the things that you must do, show you things about your life, the things that you must obey. And if you know your father loves you, you will obey. Why do we not obey? Because we think God wants to take away pleasure from my life. We think that God wants to restrict me. We think that God is interested in spoiling my fun. We think that whatever God tells us to do, it's punishment. It's not. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me show you another scripture. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. Look at verse 19. Feeding the five thousand people. He only has five loaves and two fish. What is that compared to five thousand people? And scholars say they count usually only the men. So women and children included would have been ten 000 to fifteen thousand. So he only has five loaves and two fish. But the need is so great. Have you ever faced a situation where you only have 500 rupees, but you need 20,000? Right? Where the need in your life is so great that you cannot meet it on your own. So how does Jesus respond? How does Jesus pray? If we prayed, we we'll call all our friends, say, Hey, okay, come, 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 come. Hey, we only have five loaves, two fish. We have 5,000 people. We have to really pray. We will talk like that, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, we would try to impress God by our loudness. Yes or no? See, have you ever faced a situation where somebody with headache comes for prayer? Headache? Oh, headache. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And then somebody comes with cancer. Cancer? Oh, Just wait, huh? Let me call the pastor. Let me call this prayer. Let me... Oh, now we have to really pray. So, our attitude changes according to the crisis. Yes or no? Cancer? Oh, we have to really pray. Headache? No need. Just simple prayer. What is that? You're not functioning from the understanding of God. What is cancer to God? What is headache to God? They're the same. We are functioning from our own understanding. Not with faith in God. Hallelujah. So we have to learn to pray to our Father. And not to impress our master. When we were young, we had this volunteer in our church many, many years back. And we went to pray for a certain person who was sick. So I was said, okay, let's pray together. So this volunteer, laid hands. My gosh, he was putting so much energy and, and strength in the prayer. We prayed for five minutes. We asked, him, can you check your body? How is it? No change okay let's pray again this time his voice was higher and his face was straining he was sweating it was almost as if he was trying to force the healing into that person's body by his own might by his own strength when I saw the kind of prayer my, my spirit knew that something was wrong in this attitude look at the way Jesus prayed and look at the way we pray Jesus when he prayed is praying to the Father. We, when we pray, we are praying to a distant God who has to be impressed by my tears. By my shouting. So we try to impress rather than speak to our Father. There are sometimes, some preachers told me, when you pray, cry. So people have taught themselves how to cry. Yes or no? I've been in certain circles where everyone is happy, talking about God, miracles. Come, let's pray. Or let's pray. Uh, Suddenly just start crying. Maybe some of you are from that kind of church. No. When Jesus prayed, did he pray like that? Uh, 5,000 people, Lord only. Uh, Lord, help me. Even when he was praying for Lazarus to be raised from the dead, did Jesus pray? With tears. No. See, Jesus is our example of how we can have a relationship with God. You have to find yourself in Jesus because Jesus was the son of God. And through his death, burial and resurrection, he has made all of us sons of God. Yes or no? Are you a son of God? Yes. So it means the way Jesus related with God is the way you need to relate with God. That same intimacy. Intimacy. So look here in verse 19. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven. Looking up to the Father. Maybe thanking him. Because when he prayed for Lazarus. Jesus says, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. That's it. Lazarus, come out. If we prayed, we'd be like, hey, wait. huh? We will first pray and fast for five days. Then we'll come back. But Jesus was always living in this unbroken, intimate communion with the Father. So what does he say? He looked up to heaven and then he says, he blessed and broke and gave the love to the disciples. Ah! He did not say, Peter, James, John, we have to really pray. He just blessed it. Broke it. Gave it away. What do we see here? We see here, An example of a son having absolute confidence in the father. That the father will not fail him. A son who knows that the father is provider. Who knows how to access the provision of the father by faith. And faith is not striving and pulling and pushing and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Faith is a rest. It's a rest that comes from love. Knowing that God is a father. It's a rest that comes from knowing the grace of God. Do you know how good your God is? Do you know how loving your God is? Because if you know how good and loving your God is, your smile will be bigger every day. Yeah. Whether it's only dal and potato. Or whether it is meat in the evening. It doesn't affect your mood. Why? Because your mood comes from your father. Amen. So, for my father loves me. And because my father loves me, whatever he tells me, I will do it. The strength of Jesus' obedience was the father's love for him. Jesus was the kind of man he was because of the father he had the relationship he had with the Father. So when everyone rejects him, he is still secure. When all the leaders persecute him, accuse him falsely, he is not moved. Amen. So look at First Corinthians chapter 13. First Corinthians chapter 13. This is the most famous chapter on love. Okay? Look at verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Okay, so the word here is love. Okay. The word love is not phileo love, which is brotherly love. The word love here is not storge love because there are four different kinds of the word love in the Greek, right? There's eros love, which is erotic love between a man and a woman. Okay. There's this storge love, which is Family love. all right. Um, The love between the same tribe, the same clan, same village people. Okay? There's phileo love. Phileo love is, well, brotherly love or friend love. Okay? Philadelphia. The city of brotherly love. Comes from the word phileo. When Jesus asked Peter, do you agape me? Peter said, Lord, I filet on you. Okay, so it's a different kind of love. All of these are human love. Okay, so human love is motivated also from the self. I love you because you love me. You give me chicken, I give you pork. You give me cake, I will also give you biscuits, right? So Jesus was telling his disciples, don't do good only to those who do good to you. Do good to those who have done no good to you, right? Because that's agape, that's a higher form of love. So the concept of love in the Greek culture was primarily eros, toge, phileo, which is even there among us today. But then there's a concept of love which was added by the New Testament writers called agape love. A concept which was not even there in the Greek culture. The Roman Hellenistic culture of that time. So agape love is divine love. Agape love is the God kind of love. Agape love is the love with which God loves mankind. God doesn't love us because we give him cake. During Christmas. So we exchange gifts, right? No, it's not that kind of love. It's a love that is a benevolent love. It's a love that is motivated and inspired by the giver himself. Right? First John chapter 4, verse 8. Let's turn there. Let's read it. One, two, three. Go ahead. For God is God is or we can say God is Agape. That's right, the relationship of the Trinity is agape. God is agape. We can also say this then, your father is huh? agape. Your heavenly father is agape. Agape. That's his essential nature. Nowhere in the Bible does it say God is anger. Nowhere does it say God is hate. Nowhere does it say God is power see God is powerful. God has anger. God hates sin. But it never says God is, because the word is means that's the very nature and essence of God. Amen. But the Bible says God is love. That's the most essential nature of God. God is agape. He has always been agape from the beginning. And he will never stop being agape. Amen. So your father is agape. So you have to understand what agape is. Agape is not a feeling. Agape is not romantic love. Agape is not a love that is motivated by self-interest. Sometimes people will take deer meat, lots of fruits and vegetables to officer's home. Why? Why? Because they want something from the officer. Job, some grants, some benefits. So it's that genuine love. No, there's nothing wrong with it. It's the way the world functions, but it's not agape love. Because agape love is not loving so that they can love you back. Do you know that God took the chance to let Jesus die on the cross without anyone ever choosing to believe in Jesus? You are free to believe or not. It's not a manipulative love. It's not a controlling love. Amen. It's not a love that says, if you love me, I will love you more. Do you know that everyone who is in hell right now, God loves them? Yes or no? Yes. For God so loved the world. God loves them. And yet they are there. It doesn't mean God hates them. No, God doesn't hate them. God loves them. They chose not to believe. That's the power of agape love. It gives you the liberty to choose. Without manipulating or forcing you. Even the love of a mother cannot be compared to agape love. Even the love of a mother many times is compelled by her own emotions. I've seen many fathers and mothers come and counseling, and they are protecting the sins of their children. The children have done wrong, but the mothers are lying for them. And they think they're doing it because they love the children, and they say, "Hey, if I love my daughter, I will hide her sins." Yes or no. That's not love. That's perverted love. That's the kind of love that will destroy the children's life. I know some parents, because the children were addicted, and because they were addicted, instead of disciplining their children and being true, creating boundaries for the children, they actually bought drugs for the children. Moroma say, Moroma say. They did not tell anyone. They were hiding the children, buying drugs for them out of some perverted form of compassion and love. Guess what happened? The children died early. That's not love. Even though it's human emotions, it is not agape love. Agape love is true, divine, godly love. And you will only find absolute freedom and liberty in agape love. Agape love is as if your father comes and tells you, I promise to love you. From today, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what you do, I will always love you. Can you promise that to one another? No, you cannot. Can you promise that to your wife or your husband? You cannot. Because there is a chance for human beings to fail. But with God, can he fail? He cannot. His love is not motivated by how good we are. His love comes from Him, His nature, His essence. And it is motivated by our greatest good. It's a love that always seeks the good of the receiver, the recipient. Many times parents will love their children because they want the children to do well so that some glory and praise comes to the parents. Yes or no? Yes parents feel good in the success of their children So there is this selfish motivation even in the most purest of human love did you know that God is love look at first corinthians 13 verse 4 Are you there So it says here love suffers long So can we also say God suffers long because God is love. So on the side, right in your Bible, God. God suffers long. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not parade himself. God is not puffed up. God does not behave rudely. Right? Christians, don't behave rudely. Say please, thank you. Right? Because even good manners come out of knowing the nature of God. Okay. God does not behave rudely. God does not seek His own. God is not provoked. God thinks no evil. God does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. God bears all things. God believes all things. Hopes all things. God endures all things. God never fails. Alright, let's put another word here. Because God is your heavenly father, right? So put that word, Abba, your heavenly father, in the Bible. So let's read it as God now. Or as father right now. Your father suffers long. Your heavenly father is kind. Your heavenly father does not envy. Your heavenly father does not parade himself. He is not puffed up. Your heavenly father does not behave rudely. Your heavenly father does not seek his own. He is not provoked. Your heavenly father thinks no evil. Your heavenly father does not rejoice in iniquity. Your heavenly father rejoices in the truth. He bears all things. He believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Your heavenly father never fails. Amen. Do not rejoice in the iniquity of others. When other people fail because of sin, some people actually find some perverted satisfaction. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is a type, an example, a description of your father's love for you. The love of the heavenly father. You must know that the heart of the father is agape. Because that's who he is. Amen.
1: If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember. When you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency, all things may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagoland at gmail.com and visit our website www. FaithHarvest.in, and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 7005684533 at Paytm. God bless you, and thank you so much for your generosity.